Hello, this is Unanimous Indecision. I'm Joshua Troop, and it is the best day of the week because it's Wednesday, which means we're back in 2022, finally. I know we've been having a few episodes. <coughs> Man, I thought I was going to be able to get through that. Uh, we've had a few episodes already, but this is kind of the first movie review of 2022, or first, first official one at least. <coughs> I'm going to be coughing throughout this entire stream, so get ready, buckle down for it, make it a drinking game. I don't know, actually don't make it a drinking game because you'll probably hurt yourself. Um, but I uh, am slowly getting better, a little bit at a time, off my cold. <coughs> Man, this cough. I have some tea with me that's a little bit too hot to drink right now. Uh, but we will be talking about the 355, one of the latest action movies to come out. <coughs> Gosh, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get through this. <clears throat> but uh, one of the latest action movies to come out, and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're also, I'm hoping we'll be able to get to some movie news that we haven't been able to talk about in quite some time. Uh, and yeah, that's the show. Gosh, my, the tickle in my throat is un, unyielding. Man, the tea I have is just a tad too hot to drink. But anyways, the 355 latest action movie, um, it's... It's uh oh I am just by myself today unfortunately but uh it is also a good thing because Ian is back at school which is very good and we're very happy for him uh, and wishing him the best he will probably try and pop in whenever he can but this isn't one of those weeks uh, so we will do this we will march on without him <coughs> God this is gonna be horrible um but the three five five. Yeah, this action movie, it's mediocre at best. It's really unfortunate because um, you got a lot of big names attached to it. Uh, but it's it's mediocre at best. Uh, I realized about half, a half an hour into the movie that I just was not a fan of the, how the action was shot, which is kind of an important thing in an action movie. <coughs> it felt like they were incapable of giving you a still frame that every shot had to be uh, with the camera moving as well as a crazy action set piece. And it just didn't work very well. It was very like the action was very difficult to follow because of that. <coughs> Uh, and it was just a, uh, it's just very blurry. It was, it was the the action was was very blurry. It, it was too much movement and difficult to keep up keep up with. So I wasn't too fond of it. Um, I guess I'm probably gonna try and make this a shorter show since my cough is acting up so much. Uh, but that the story was okay. Uh, I wasn't totally sure what it was about. Like an hour into the movie. And then they made it very clear eventually that it was about 
the spies basically stopping this really bad technological device from getting into the wrong hands. Sure. <coughs> but... Hmm. I'm wondering about something. There, there's a bit of plot moments that I think are very confusing to me. Uh, for one, uh, so these five women are from different countries, different spy agencies around the world. Uh, you have an American from the CIA, uh, MI6, I forget what the German one is, Chinese, and then also Colombian. Sure. But we only ever see like corruption or at least get told about corruption in the cia and we kind of see something in the german intelligence agency that maybe looks corrupt in the movie that maybe looks like there's some shady stuff going on but other than that those are the only two out of the five agencies that like show that they're corrupt and they make a comment in the movie towards the end that they're like, all our agencies are corrupt. And it's really funny because <clears throat> the Chinese one, who first off, the the woman who's from the Chinese agency doesn't even get introduced until over halfway through the movie. But after she does, like even like five minutes before the very ending of the movie, they get arrested uh, in China from like Chinese police and just cause of this massive shootout that went down and then she's just like, let me make a call. And then obviously it's insinuated that she calls her agency, gets them out of, gets them all out of prison. They're good to go. And so I was like, it doesn't, <laughs> you've done nothing to show us that the Chinese agency is corrupt even though you're saying that they're corrupt and this, and I was like, if anything, they were, they were quite helpful right there. They, they got you all out of uh, the state prison, you know, for being involved in such a mass shooting or um, maybe not a mass shooting. It would be just a high octane <laughs> explosion, uh, which I guess is almost a terrorist attack probably, but um <laughs> uh and and so it's just really weird that like her agency literally just got them out and then they're like all our agencies are corrupt and i was like well i don't know her agency seemed pretty helpful to y'all um and the english agency we never really saw anything of same with the colombian agency and it was just like are we just saying that they're corrupt because you know they have power and an innate property of power can be corruption. Sure. I, I don't deny that, but like, it'd be nice if that was shown in the movie, in the context of the movie. Uh, and so it's just like really odd for them to say that when they're only showing it for two out of the five characters at most. Um, and then the other thing <coughs> was... It is pretty crazy. I mean, like, Sebastian Stan being the villain, it became very predictable, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that it was like, yeah, he's very clearly not dead. 
but um, he uh, orders the killing of so both the American and the German woman they basically have no family whatsoever um, or no connections but so Sebastian Stan order his, his character orders the killing of the English woman's um, boyfriend and uh, then he kills the Chinese woman's father and is about to order the killing of the Colombian agent's um, family. And then um, she, of course, pleads for their lives and they eventually give up this device to him. And it's just very weird because, like, they just lost their loved ones and then they're like, oh, but for your family, it'll be okay. Maybe because there's kids. And it's like, <laughs> if your philosophy was that this device is too dangerous to be, like, uh, in bad people's hands, that it's definitely worth one person's life or two person's life, why does that change when it's children? I don't know. Um, I mean, I thought it would have been super, <coughs> super intensive if, if it went that far, but it didn't. And I was just like, that's kind of crazy that they're like, they just witnessed him killing two, two out of the five people being threatened. And then for the remaining three, they're like, no, don't do it. And here's the device. And it's like, it's weird that they would change their mind on that. Um, but uh, and I mean, also the Colombian woman wasn't like a full agent. She was more of a psychologist anyway. So I guess that's more of a reason that like, as opposed to the people like uh, the father and the boyfriend where they maybe kind of like signed up for this when they got into a relationship with them, like the Colombian woman's family, like they thought they were just having a psychologist for a mother, not... <laughs> some uh, spy that was going to be involved some, with some crazy stuff. So maybe that's the argument. Um, the other thing, I don't remember the other thing. The movie has a lot of weird pacing. It feels like it almost concludes like three times and then it continues for another 20 minutes. It's like, Yay, we succeeded. We got the disc back to the CIA. Now we can get drinks. And it was like, oh, now there was a terrorist attack that six planes went down. What's going on? Oh, we go back. Oh, that CIA guy is dead. And <coughs> and all this stuff. And, and it was like, oh, now it's a whole new chapter of this story. We got to go to China. Um for the last 45 minutes of things. And so it was a little weird because it kind of felt like it concluded before then and then it just reopened itself back up. Uh, but even still, I don't remember what their answer was for those six planes going down because the person that kills the CIA agent that had the device was the Chinese woman. And she says that that CIA guy was also working with the bad guys, part of the corruption. And so I don't know. I thought it, it didn't really make sense. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they gave an explanation. And I just didn't remember it. Um, yeah, it was just it was just very mediocre. Um, 
the story I feel like was really close to being interesting. And then the action was just like really bad with the way they filmed it. I, I think the ideas that they had for the action were really good. Um, like when that one dude just turns around and kills that one guy um, in the fish market or something. Like that's very surprising and and absolutely crazy. And I was like, whoa, this is this is actually a really intense moment of the movie. Um, and we start to see where people's loyalties like actually are. But it was just really but like the the uh hand-to-hand -hand combat fighting was just really bad. Not in the sense that the fighting itself was bad. I mean, I couldn't tell to be honest. I mean, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but it was just like, it was so shaky cam. And when they were run, running through the alleys of Paris, I think it was, it was so shaky. And I was just like, man, this film's almost making me nauseous. And I don't normally feel that way about movies. It doesn't normally bother me uh, the way movies are shot necessarily. But this one was just like such an extreme of it that uh, it, it didn't feel very satisfying to watch. Um and then I also feel like the characters themselves were a little, a little stale, just a little bit. Um, it felt like whenever they got interesting, they like refused to show any emotion whatsoever, except for the Colombian woman who w was the psychologist. Um, her character actually seemed really interesting to me because <laughs> I was like, man, she's got like a whole family back home and she was just here to, to analyze this one dude, but it has now fallen into this whole thing. I was like, her story's crazy. Um, and then the Jessica Chastain's character as the American was kind of good as well. Probably the second best, um, with just you know her agency kind of turning on her without her realizing that it's her agency turning on her she just thinks there's other forces out there um and turns out the other forces in her agency kind of the same thing so uh yeah uh i, I think that that stuff was pretty interesting but <coughs> felt like i had a pacing issue the filming was a little weird uh, overall pretty mediocre despite it having a somewhat interesting uh international story kind of thing uh which we don't see i mean like in spy movies in general we do see but the the level of traveling and the number of agents from different agencies we don't always get to see which i thought that was cool um but yeah it was just just pretty mediocre i don't know i'm a bit of a disappointment i think um, to move on to movie news as we do every week, um, and, tr and are trying to get back into, um, I'm going to try and go pretty quick because my throat is killing me from this cold. <coughs> if you can't tell I'm coughing every 10 seconds, but, um, I just want to take the time to remind everyone to rate, review, subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to us, uh, so that we can get some feedback from you. Uh, also join uh, sorry, join the discord and we can talk, you know, off stream outside the podcast about random movie stuff that's coming out, whatever we want to talk about. Feel free to do that. Love to have more people there. We're just trying to grow the conversation ultimately. Um, and that's the goal. Also, there's uh, many places you can find us, Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever podcasts are sold for free. 
Uh, also on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision where you can hop in the live chat and share your thoughts and theories about whatever it is we are talking about. I see Saltier in the chat saying feel better. I really appreciate the the hope for me. <laughs> um, we're working on it. I mean, I feel a lot better than I did last week. Last week, is, I mean, we didn't even have this show last week because I was like moaning and complaining about my face. <laughs> All of my sinus passages hurt. Uh, last week, uh, it felt really bad, but, uh, this week I just have a cough, although it is a horrendous cough. Hopefully it's a little bit better, uh, next week and every week's after, you know, uh, but we are going to get into this movie news. Um, most of it's from just this week, but a uh, little bit of the conclusion of 2021, uh, kind of staying on the, the three, five, five, uh, the 355, needless to say, not the most successful movie starting out 2022. Um, basically, uh, this last week, only Spider-Man No Way Home uh, was successful at the box office, is what we're hearing, where it made uh, basically $97 million worldwide. Um, where it's resting at a nice, comfortable 1.5 billion cumulative. That's pretty crazy. Um, and the 355 earned just less than 5 million. This movie's been delayed several times. It's had almost zero buzz. It had some uh, less than positive critical reviews going into it. And it seems that that is all accumulated into uh, this uh, below average opening. Um, and it's really unfortunate because uh, we are seeing an increase in female centric action movies. And I feel like I feel like the three five five is is going to be, it's not mine, but is going to be some people's argument why like, female action uh female centric action movies don't work and i completely disagree because i think but but there's a different argument is we've had some female centric action movies come out just last year with like gunpowder milkshake or kate which were both really good movies uh pretty enjoyable i even enjoyed the protege um quite a bit um it's not like a stellar action movie. I'm not going to be like, I've got to rewatch this every year, like Die Hard or something. But it's, it's like good. I enjoyed it. I, I walked out of the movie like satisfied. Um, same thing with the other two. Uh, Gunpowder, Milkshake, and Kate. The only issue though is that Gunpowder, Milkshake, and Kate were Netflix exclusives. And I'm pretty sure they were the most successful of these female-centric action movies from like the last two years. Um, oh yeah, there was also also Jessica Chastain's Ava and Jolt. Um, Ava, I'm trying to remember Ava. I did watch it, but I remember it was a little slow out of the opening. But then I think it got interesting, if I recall. I think it got interesting later. Yeah, because there's a lot of turning. Ava and Protégé felt very similar in story, which was weird. <coughs> oh, yeah, there was also the rhythm section. 
Um, but yeah, so like n not many of them doing too well in theaters, I think is, is the interesting thing um, that maybe the most successful ones are only on streaming, which that I think is a little unfortunate because I think Gunpowder Milkshake feels like a, just a grade below John Wick. Like if John Wick's an A, Gunpowder Milkshake's a B. I, I thought it navigated the weirdness and the, the quirkiness of uh, gunplay really, really cool. Um, and I thought it was a very quirky movie that I really enjoyed. But um, but that movie didn't go to theaters, as far as I know. And so, like, I mean, right now we're already seeing this big debate between movie studios about which movies go to theaters and which don't. And I, I hope that the 355 isn't used as, like, a reason against female-centric action movies going to theaters. Because I do think there's a place for them. I think they'll, they'll make money. I just think you need to tell a little bit better of a story. Um, and I don't think it actually has anything to do with them being female in the first place. I, I think it just completely has to do with the narrative. Um, but unfortunately, the what I think the better narrative movies were, were streaming exclusives. So we don't have that one-to-one -one comparison of better narrative and worse narrative both going to theaters. We only have a couple of those bad narrative ones going to theaters, unfortunately. <coughs> or at least predictable, or maybe not bad, but mediocre. Uh, you pick your word. Um, those need to be marketed a lot better. The 355 was not marketed very well, or at all. <laughs> Uh, very recently, like, I feel like it was marketed pretty well in 2021, but obviously that was a year ago. Because I'm talking about like January 2021. Um, kind of on the flip side, well, here's a, here's a successful um, female centric action movie. Um, but uh, to talk not just about Black Widow, but piracy in general, uh, as I pull up these articles, <coughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, I mean, the this comes from Polygon, and they, they get this really good opening. Imagine a world in which Matrix Resurrections makes more money than Spider-Man No Way Home. And, like, that's pretty crazy, but... Um, as far as piracy goes, <coughs> uh, Matrix Resurrection is currently the most pirated movie online, with Spider-Man No Way Home being number two. Uh, so a lot of people are pirating Matrix Resurrections, which has a day and date release. It's available on HBO Max right now, which means that people who are pirating it illegally also can get it the same day in the like wonderful 4k um and so i think it shows a huge limitation it continues to show i should say of uh what we saw this past year in day and date releases of films that get those that form of release structure uh where they get mass pirated um we saw that really big in black widow um even though it had the premiere access price tag 
um, it, it's it's estimated that six hundred million dollars were lost on Black Widow. To be clear, Black Widow box office numbers. Stand by. <laughs> Black Widow. I'm pretty sure it is domestic. Let me get that worldwide number. Just kidding. That is worldwide. Okay, Black Widow worldwide made $379 million. Just about $380 million is what I'll say. Um, and if it was an estimated $600 million loss due to piracy, that means it's almost a billion-dollar movie. That's the crazy thing. Something that was a $380 million movie was basically a billion-dollar movie, but because of the release structure, it, it lost a ton of that movie. Now, maybe if it's not pirated, maybe not everyone does see it. Um, so, so maybe like half. So maybe it's like a $700 or $800 million movie because like if it's not pirated, maybe it's not free, and now all of a sudden a movie ticket is the thing that stops people, a $10 movie ticket. But, um, yeah, that's a lot of money to lose just due to your release structure. Now, granted, I don't necessarily think it for 2021. Obviously, we now have the Omicron surge with COVID. 2020 was obviously a very specific year <coughs> when it came to COVID cases and movie releases. Uh, 2021, though... I do think got a lot better for the most part for the bulk of the year uh, that cases were quite down until the Omicron surge, um, especially around the time that Black Widow came out, that I think it really missed out on a lot of money, uh, left a lot on the table, at least $300 million, but maybe up to $600 million. And so I think uh, I'm hoping... For I mean, I, I guess I should say I don't really care, but like the movies I like need to make money so that studios keep making movies that I like, if that makes sense. Like I want the movies I like to make money so that they keep making those kinds of movies. Um, and their current release structure, obviously they also want to make money. <laughs> so uh, their current release structure, though, doesn't favor... Um, maximum money making and so I'm kind of hoping that they change that so that they can realize how much these good stories are worth um, and encourage themselves to tell more good stories because you know that's what it's all about that's that's why we have movies in the first place to tell incredible stories And when the good ones stop making money, then we're all we're left with is like network television. So <laughs> where they just tell the same 12 stories in one season. Um, maybe same five stories. I'll decrease it. Um, as another fun thing from 2021, not quite as fun as piracy, maybe. Uh, but just uh, top grossing for 2021 per studio. I think is really interesting because I'm sure everyone's thinking in their mind, our top grossing movies, Black Widow came out last year. You had a lot of superhero movies go to theaters because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about top grossing theaters. So you're probably thinking you're like, oh, well, uh, Fast 9 came out. 
Um, we had like a Godzilla, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla or vice versa. I think it's vice versa now that I think about it. You had Matrix 4. You had Spider-Man, of course. You had a ton of Marvel movies. Um, and so everybody's probably thinking in their head, what movie's coming out on top? And I'm sure everyone would be betting on Disney. However, uh, 2021 grossing. <coughs> As I lose my voice. Uh, number one studio is Sony Pictures at a $1.1 billion for 2021, which is crazy to say because I'm pretty sure that's almost like exclusively Spider-Man. Like almost exclusively. Let me see if I can find it by movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I guess not, actually. Spider-Man No Way Home as of 2021, December 31st, it had only made 613 million. So then it, it, it's also including uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, uh, Ghostbusters, Afterlife, and various other Sony releases. But the three of those kind of led the Sony charge. Uh, but it is still spearheaded by Spider Man. And then number two at 900 million is Disney, the mouse with all of its Marvel content, and pretty much that's it, to be honest. Uh, you had Shang-Chi at $220 million. You had Black Widow at $183 million. Uh, are these domestic numbers? Because I just said Black Widow made $339 million. I think these are all domestic numbers, to be honest. Yeah, domestic during 2021, to be clear. Um. And then Eternals, let me see if I have the, no, it doesn't have worldwide. Oh, well. <coughs> um, Eternals also 167 million. Uh, yeah. And then also, I guess, Free Guy, which is now, which was a Fox movie, but part of the Disney thing at 120 million. Um, then you have like Universal at 660 million, Warner Brothers at 650 million um united artists at 320 million um of course universal did f9 united artists did no time to die um i actually don't see i guess warner brothers had a lot of not 10 top 10 movies <laughs> um but because they're still up there but i don't see a lot of them listed here <coughs> Um, but yeah, so kind of a crazy year with Sony on top for domestic box office. Sorry, if I have a really long pause on the audio, it's probably because I'm drinking tea. Uh, but the crazy thing I don't think is necessarily that Sony's on top. That's like, that's the, that's the, I don't know. That's the description, but I think the headline that we should take away from this is how successful superhero movies were this year. Um, and it really got me thinking about what movies did go to theaters, and it was mostly big-budget movies went to theaters. Um, a lot of smaller-budget movies didn't, or they small-budget movies that didn't do so well in theaters. 
But I mean, like the top 10 list is Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, Venom, Black Widow. So top four are all Marvel stuff. Sony, Disney, Marvel. Yeah. Um, and it's F9, you know, huge franchise, Fast and Furious. Then we're back to Marvel with Eternals. Then we're with the James Bond in No Time to Die. A Quiet Place Part 2, I'm really happy it's up there because uh, that was a fantastic movie um, and it deserves it as a, a an original sequel to an original story, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, Ghostbusters Afterlife, obviously part of the beloved Ghostbusters. Uh, and then Free Guy, an original story, making it in the top ten. But like that top seven, all massive IP. <coughs> so I, I think that's that's the crazy thing. Uh, I'll be interested this year if it if it continues that superhero movies are 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 dominating are the um the leaders of of IP that superheroes are the leader of IP of 2022. I think that'll be interesting. Uh, on the flip side, there is a developer of some superhero stuff that I think has kind of gotten a little lackluster uh, since its wonderful beginning way back in the days of Smallville. Um, and then it had a nice uh, refresher with like Arrow and The Flash. But uh, has gotten a little lackluster lately. And I'm talking about the CW. The CW uh, was created in partnership between Viacom, uh, which is CBS, and Warner Media. Needless to say, oh, I guess that's what CW probably stands for CBS and Warner Media. I never knew that. Um, apparently, uh, Hollywood Reporter revealed a memo um, saying that I already lost it, <laughs> saying that um, they should explore, a, um, that the company was exploring a potential sale of the network. Um, CW has shows like Walker, Riverdale, Batwoman, The Flash, um, notably had Smallville and Supernatural. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like Viacom and Warner Media are looking to sell the CW. Uh, obviously, Warner Media focusing more on HBO Max, while CBS is focusing more on Paramount Plus. They're kind of done with the network TV arm of the CW, uh, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, and I wonder what will even happen to the CW because half of the CW's lineup is DC superhero stuff, I think, <laughs> or primetime stuff. <coughs> so if it loses the DC stuff, uh, whoever picks it up is really going to have to fill those slots um, with some interesting content because I'm pretty sure it's basically getting funded by the DC at this point. Uh, despite it going downhill, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, CW's going for sale. That'll be an interesting thing to see. Uh, I think it'll be super interesting because we've been talking about a lot of, like, streaming services and IP being picked up for uh, as part of the streaming wars. But what about a network television, a, a television network? Like what? Where does that fall in this war of the war of streaming? You know, 
Um, anyways, Netflix, it feels like every other week they release something new that breaks some sort of record. Uh, Don't Look Up. Yes, is the name of a movie. Uh, Don't Look Up with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, and various other notable actors um, is already the third most watched film for a month. That's a month-long uh, period uh, behind only uh, Bird Box and Red Notice. And... So it hasn't even been out for a full month, is my understanding, though, is that, yeah, 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 it hasn't even been out for a full month, but it's already third in that first month's most viewed, uh, which I, I think is, is, I mean, that's really good that um, they, they're still breaking records over there at Netflix, means they're, they're making stuff that people want to watch. Um, if nothing else, it feels like, Every other month, we maybe get a topic to discuss that's uh, a Netflix original thing, uh, and everybody's talking about it. So, um, I haven't seen Don't Look Up personally. I've heard other people say saying um, anywhere from super positive things that of uh, people that like definitely got the comedy, and then other people that say maybe it goes a little bit too ridiculous or too far. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but clearly it, it has made a lot of people quite curious uh, because the, the metric they're using for most watched is um, the hours watched, which I think is a really good metric um, given that you can then just divide that by uh, the total length of the film and figure out how many people have potentially seen the whole thing, even though that's not exactly correct. But uh, Hours watched is a lot better than their view view count that they used to do, which only counted like the first five minutes or something. Uh, this is a much better metric, and they're still breaking records with new movies, so that's good good for them. Uh, in terms of new movies coming up, because we've been talking a lot about like the past. Let me make sure we're not going to the past after this. <laughs> after I say that, and then we immediately go back to the past. No, these are all upcoming things for for the 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 last few items <coughs> like i said short stream i'm sick so we're, we're going a little quick um although i will go through my most anticipated list of 2022 uh at the end of the news uh so the next story uh there audrey hepburn never thought we'd be talking about that right uh, <laughs> there's going to be an audrey hepburn biopic from apple uh, with Rooney Mara uh, playing Audrey Hepburn by Luca Guad. I don't know how to pronounce this. Pronounce this. I'm gonna be honest. Guad Guadagnino. Guadagnino. I, I think that's right. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, he is an Oscar-nominated director, um, and uh, yeah, they're making Audrey Hepburn biopics. So I think that's pretty cool. Obviously, Audrey Hepburn is one of the most notable uh, actresses in cinema history uh, from Breakfast at Tiffany's, My Fair Lady, Wait Until Dark, Charade, Sabrina, and dozens of others. Um, a super notable actress. Um, 
And then uh, Rooney Mara also has been nominated for some Academy Awards recently, uh, Girl with Dragon Tattoo and Carol. Um, and she was also in Guillermo del Toro's uh, Nightmare Alley, which was very recent, um, which my parents just watched the original and told me that I should definitely watch it. So maybe, maybe I'll have to watch both the original and the new one. Uh, but yeah, so sounds really cool i i think this is definitely someone who out of all the people they make biopics for um audrey hepburn i think is is up there uh as term in terms of notable members of hollywood um she's up there obviously we just had that um lucille ball one and i thought that one was really good um and it was a little bit different it was a different kind of biopic that i really appreciated um and i was really into but uh, i'm curious to see what we get out of this audrey hepburn one although it will be on apple which means i won't be able to watch it <laughs> maybe it'll go to theaters i don't know uh, um... <coughs> something that's definitely not going to theaters although we thought it would because it felt like only pixar movies were going to theaters from disney animation um they've changed their mind the you might have seen a couple trailers for this one uh turning red we've talked about a little bit it's about the uh girl who turns into a big red panda it's a huge uh puberty analogy but with some mystical um mystical elements to ease children into the idea of it uh i thought it looked pr pretty good and but um turns out it's going straight to streaming um apparently let's see i'm trying to find the quote uh turning red will skip its planned march theatrical release and be exclusively on disney plus it is the first it is the third pixar film sorry did i say pixar films were going to theaters i take that back um, I thought they were, but I, I guess that's right. They weren't. Uh, <laughs> uh, the third Pixar film following Soul and Luca, which I thought were very delightful movies. Soul, I think, is one of Pixar's best. Um, and Luca, I thought, was very enjoyable. I loved it. Uh, but uh, a Pixar staffer was saying, it's safe to say that we're all feeling a little feeling extremely disappointed until today we all thought turning red would be our return to the big screen and everyone at the studio was so excited about it being this film in particular it was quite a blow uh the staffer said it sucks but i get it with omicron infections um being so high i haven't heard anyone say the decision to pivot to streaming is wrong so while they are shocked and disappointed, they understand due to Omicron. <coughs> I mean, this is kind of the second movie we've seen make a release strategy decision based on Omicron. Uh, the first probably being Morbius, which was supposed to come out, I think, a week from now. I think it was supposed to be ne next week's review, uh, but now got pushed to April. Uh, so now with Turning Red going from... So Morbius got delayed from January to April. 
uh, turning red went to theater exclusive. It'll be interesting to see if we kind of have a, a 2020 early 2021 uh, movie date change all over again where everyone's pushing things. Um, but yeah, turning red remains at uh, goes to Disney plus. Uh, which I guess will probably point to then the next Pixar film being the return to theaters, unless obviously the numbers stay as high as they are in their eyes. Um, although it is a weird idea, right? Because like, am I wrong for thinking this? Maybe this is just like naive, but it feels a touch hypocritical. I get it that it's different situations, but... I'm pretty sure it's Sony's decision to release Spider-Man. Although I guess then they delete, delayed Morbius. But whatever, I'm not going to go off of that for a moment. <coughs> um, even though I think there is a point to be made there. But I guess Spider-Man came out. Nah, I don't know. It kind of came out just as like the Omicron numbers were getting pretty high. It was like that same week that things were happening. So, But I guess they didn't know. Maybe. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> I'm trying to do the mental math in my head about the dates. But Disney, on the other hand, um, a March release date. I'm pretty sure Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Just kidding. I think that comes out in May. Let me double check this. Yeah, that comes out in May. I was wrong. When does Thor 4 come out? Let me just double check so that I'm not crazy. Oh, lie. Okay, never mind. I definitely thought that there was a Marvel movie that came out like in February or March. And I was like, wait, they're going to release that one, but not turning red. Like, if it's definitely an Omicron thing, then what wouldn't, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't the case of theaters be made for both movies? But I guess uh, turning red is just Disney's next theatrical release, anyways. No, but what about Death on the Nile? That's technically a Disney release. I guess they don't care about that movie anymore. I don't know. <coughs> they haven't really been advertising it whatsoever. Um, yeah, so there's that. I guess that points to Lightyear being Pixar's next return to theaters. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to watch other movies at the same time. Um... Talking, going back to Netflix, uh, The Raid, a very beloved cult following movie um, from Gareth Evans, The Raid. Uh, Netflix is reimagining it with Patrick Hughes and Michael Bay, and Gareth Evans will executive produce. So, so he'll still be on board, even though uh, they're reimagining it. So I think that's pretty cool. That's a cool idea. Um, I've heard some fantastic things about the raid uh, that I need to go check it out because um, I know it's some of people's like top ten favorite movie. But that one slipped past me. Um, I think it came out in two thousand twelve, and so I'll have to check it out. And it sounds like we're getting another one as well. Uh, so that's cool. What do we got next? I think we got one more. Ah, uh, yes. Can't go a show without talking about Batman or Spider-Man. This show, we get both. 
Uh, we got some Batgirl set photos with my <coughs> I'm dying here. <coughs> uh, with Michael Keaton's Batman. Um, and it's looking like Michael Keaton's Batman will have a Robin, which is really interesting. And everyone can start thinking about which Robin is it. <coughs> oh. Is it uh, Jason Todd? Is it Dick Grayson? Is it... Um, I'm immediately forgetting all the other ones' names. Tim Drake? Is it Damien? Wait, which Robin is it? But we are seeing that there's a Robin in it. So I think that'll be cool. I mean, the Batwoman film is sounding uh, pretty, pretty cool with the more additions they're making to it. Um, to quickly go through my 2022 uh, most anticipated. <coughs> Gosh, I bet I sound horrible. Um, it's only because I'm talking so much right now. Um, well, th this week is already one of my top 10 for sure. Um, I actually didn't make a top 10 list, so I'm just going to make it kind of as we go here, looking through what I got on the schedule. Um, next week is one of my most anticipated is Scream, the fifth Scream movie. I'm very excited for it. I like the Scream movies. Um, I think they're great parodies of the horror genre while simultaneously being quite scary films themselves um i am still excited for death of the nile uh just because uh i really like whodunit movies sorry i really like well done whodunit movies and i thought murder on the orient express was pretty good and knives out got me really excited for more um we also are getting the batman obviously there maybe even number one for me um uh, turning red as i said um uh, morbius definitely in my top 10. honestly sonic 2 might be in my top 10 just because <laughs> actually i don't know because i'm finding a bunch of other movies that i want to watch uh fantastic beast 3 you know that's on my list for sure it's finally here april 20th um Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is a movie that I think was on my 2020 list, but I guess the movie got pushed so much. Uh, this is a movie where Nicolas Cage is playing himself. He's playing like a broke version of himself that has to go attend birthday parties for money. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought that sounded kind of kind of fun. Um. And then we got uh, Doctor Strange 2, as I said. That, that's definitely in my top 10. I think, what are we at? We're at like six. I think we're at six movies. Top Gun 2 has to be. Okay, I'm figuring out that maybe Scream might not make it. No, probably Death on the Nile gets kicked off my top 10. Because um, I'm finding a bunch of other movies later in the year. 
Uh, I mean, we've got Top Gun 2. We've got Jurassic World 3, which I'm hype about since they dropped that eight-minute short. That was amazing from Colin Trevorrow. I thought that was, that was a really good eight-minute clip that got me really excited for more Jurassic Park stuff. Uh, we also have Pixar's Lightyear. Um, Thor 4, of course. Black Adam, I'm stoked for. Um, there's a bunch of other movies coming out. I'm not talking about all of them because I'm only talking about my top 10. Although I'm realizing... <coughs> I guess I'll leave The Flash off my top 10 because I don't have faith in that movie. But I hope it's good. Uh, I hope it's good. I just don't think it will be. Uh, but we also got Mission Impossible 7. Uh, I love the Mission Impossible movies. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The, so the sequel. Uh, seems pretty interesting. We don't know too much about it. But they dropped that little teaser. Uh, oh my gosh. We also got uh, Black Panther 2. Wakanda Forever. That's... That's on my list, but but I'm a little skeptical just because, you know, all the changes they have to make, but I'm still excited for it. Um, I'm excited for all Marvel movies, just I, I hope I'm not let down, you know. Um, but we also have, this actually is probably my number one. This is probably my number one, and actually just before I say my number one so that I don't confuse people, um, Aquaman 2 is probably on my list just because I'm a huge superhero nerd. So got to put superhero stuff on my top 10. I, I tried to put all of them on there, but we can't put the Flash. There's not enough room uh, for me to put the Flash and Scream. And I'm sorry, I'm too excited for Scream and Top Gun and Jurassic World, you know. But if the Flash is really well done, I'm excited. But we do have Aquaman too. Um, but number one most anticipated will be one of the last movies I see of this year, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't get delayed which is a movie that's 10 years in the making, a movie that is only a sequel, but it's part two of five, which is Avatar 2. <coughs> the movie that James Cameron has been working 10 years on. Also, it's subsequent sequels, but he's been working for 10 years on this thing. Um, Avatar 1 came out, I think, in 2009. Yeah, I keep saying 10 years, although now we're at 13 years. <laughs> but yeah, Avatar 2, definitely my most anticipated movie of this year. Uh, just because, you know, what, what it could be. If if it is an amazing movie, then we're getting an amazing three more movies in this franchise that I didn't know was going to be a franchise. So that movie, I think, sounds super exciting. It's got probably the most hype for it uh, out of everything. Uh, but I am excited to watch Scream, which is going to be next week's movie review. Um, I can't wait to watch that movie. Uh, but yeah, Avatar 2, it's finally here. We've waited 10 years for it. Really, we've waited 13 years for it. But it's finally here. Um, I'm not even the biggest fan of Avatar 1, but... You know, I'm all for James Cameron just keep pushing things he's proud of, you know. Um, so so let, let's see it because James Cameron's one of the best. One of the best to ever do it. <coughs> so um, I'll definitely be seeing Avatar 2, of course. Uh, but yeah, a lot of exciting movies this year. 
Uh, the thing that I thought was interesting as I was filling out the calendar is kind of a hard calendar to fill out because a lot of movie studios have not been announcing release dates for a ton of movies. I think because they're all kind of scared of COVID pushing stuff that they don't want to announce release dates and then have to change them yet again, uh, kind of as we had to do these past two years. Um, they like to just announce one and have it be the correct one. So I think they're they're a little bit more hesitant on announcing release dates, uh, which is probably a good move overall, but, you know, makes it a little harder to plan things. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that will be the end of the show. Scream is next week's movie review. Don't forget, we do two shows here. We do this Wednesday show every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Movie review, movie news, that's what we talk about. Um, next week's movie will be screened. This week's was the 355. And then we also do a Friday show, 6 p.m. Eastern time, which this week we will be talking about the Book of Boba Fett and Peacemaker, a uh, new series on HBO Max. Should be a good one. I'm going to conclude here so that I can let my voice rest because uh, it hurts. Uh, but I appreciate you all for listening and tuning in and bearing with my uh, horrendous cough. Uh, but Thank you all for watching. I'm Joshua True. Busy name is indecision. We'll catch you next time.